0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, June 23rd, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. Bitcoin's spike is nothing particularly to take note of, according to Overstock CEO Patrick Byrne, because Bitcoin itself isn't the most special thing about Bitcoin. At the inaugural FeeCon held in Atlanta last weekend, I spoke with Byrne about Bitcoin, the sale of Whole Foods to Amazon, and President Trump's bothersome trade agenda. Given the recent price change in Bitcoin hitting a uh, new highs, should anybody be particularly encouraged or discouraged just because it's hit a, a new big number?
1: Not really. The main event of Bitcoin isn't Bitcoin itself; it's really the blockchain. And the thing that I'm the that I'm really uh, a proponent of is the blockchain. The blockchain can reform all kinds of processes in society and make them bulletproof and actually dispense with the need for many centralized institutions that we've been using for centuries and institutions which have had a history of getting corrupted and and turned against society. But we don't need those kinds of institutions anymore because we have blockchain.
0: Give me some examples. I mean, I I know that a lot of finance people and perhaps concerning... um, the fact that financial regulators are also very interested in blockchain. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing.
1: They, they're they interested, they're scared, but th- many of them are waking up to the possibilities that in a blockchain, suppose you're talking about a capital market, we are building a blockchain capital market, you can create it in a way that all kinds of mischief becomes impossible. So You would think that the regulators would love it because it does their job for them. You can't do a bunch of the things that Wall Street cheats do. However, However, it also... However, the real issue is it 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 attacks the profit centers of some of the biggest banks to have a blockchain capital market because they make money out of these the, these spaces. And they they are the clients. Ultimately, they are the clients of the regulators. You know, if you believe in regulatory capture, then regulators have their own clients and their client industry is Wall Street. So they're under they're under pressure to regulate blockchain to keep it away from Wall Street or slow impede its growth and such. However, so far I have to say I've been pleasantly mildly Surprised, mildly, not greatly surprised, but mildly surprised that they've actually they've let us get this far, and they're not. I think uh, a combination of them understanding that they really can't stop it if they try to stop it. I'm just going to give it overseas, and overseas there's all kinds of countries and, gov- and uh, governments and corporations that want it. And secondly, they. Um, uh, like I say, some of them are actually philosophically disposed. Those who really care about their jobs and who care about systemic risk and care about stopping cheating like what the blockchain does.
0: Yeah, but, uh, I think about uh, you know the regulators, they, you say that the, the big banks are their clients. What does blockchain do in terms of allowing smaller relatively smaller institutions to compete uh, more vigorously with larger institutions?
1: Well, blockchain can replace huge amounts of back office and back office costs. You know, the, the Graham Dodd bill and similar bills, they create a, they, they really protect incumbents, large incumbents, because only those large incumbents can afford the compliance costs that go with the bill and, and they drive small and mid-sized bankers out of business. So with blockchain it l- levels the playing field and what banks are going to discover is they can do they can do a bunch of their work while eliminating 90% of their back office. And so I think it is gives the edge to the smaller to the smaller people. They can achieve and demonstrate compliance through blockchain at much lower cost than in the past.
0: So outside of finance, what do you see as the, some of the opportunities?
1: Well, uh, one is in digital citizenship and voter, uh, you know, clean voting. I think that actually voting. Uh, I think that there's a lot more problems with the U.S. voting than than is generally understood. I think in both directions. There probably is voter suppression, and there, pro- well, there is voter suppression, and there is, uh, there are, there's people voting twice and voter fraud, and much more than the left likes to to recognize. But if you have digital citizenship, you see all those issues get put aside.
0: Amazon has purchased Whole Foods.
1: Smart move. Can you expand on that? Well, what what they're getting besides Whole Foods is they're getting a wonderful supply chain to organic producers around the country. You marry those supply chains, so Whole Foods has these organic these supply chains that bring organic foods into their distribution centers and stores. Those marry those to Amazon's supply chain, which is starting to look more and more like UPS, and you have a system where people can be ordering for home delivery the very freshest organic food that you would normally so they will I think they'll actually be diverting it it won't like be like it runs through the whole food stores they will be diverting it they'll be there will be blending their supply chain with Amazon supply chain and creating a supply chain that can both keep the stores replenished and can bring, get fresh food to your house, which we tried to do a couple of years ago. We have a farmer's market at Overstock, but it's not. Uh, when you have $14 billion, we we did it piecemeal. When you have $14 billion, like Amazon has much more than that, they, uh, they went and bought Whole Foods.
0: And uh, part of the benefit, I suppose, is that uh, Whole Foods has its own sort of. Uh, certification of quality control on the products that they put on their shelves. There's checklists of things that you have to accomplish before you get your food on their shelves. That's right. Related to this this whole uh, Whole Foods uh, Amazon thing is that we have a within the federal government we have a uh, regulatory structure that w- will examine this purchase, and in many cases where uh, vertical integration of all, all sorts of different Uh, products and supply chains what would might make sense uh the government stymies a lot of those efforts
1: yes they do (laughs) well they do that in the name of preventing uh someone from expropriating inordinate amount of profit that has never been amazon's problem they've yet to you know their their aws makes a bunch of money the retail business Lost a ton of money for years. I think it's basically got to break even. Uh, so only if Amazon, you know, the theory of antitrust here would be that once they dominate all this, all of this retail and all the production, have all the supply chains, then they'd be able to extract monopolistic rents out of the arrangements. So far, there's no evidence that they're doing that. But the, I guess the argument would be after they've driven everyone else a business out of business, someday they would. So far, they haven't been doing taking any extraordinary rents out of their market position.
0: Do you think there are examples elsewhere in American industry of companies doing just that? At least in the last fifty years,
1: of of extracting monopolistic rents. No, I think it's mostly hui. I think it dates back to an atavistic consumption conception of business. Uh, You know, it's been kind of silly. The Department of Justice went after. IBM in the 70s and 80s because obviously IBM had caught the bunny. They had, they, they were the dog in the dog race that caught the bunny. Everyone else was going to stop running because they had such a dominant position. And you know they didn't get the joke that in IBM used to own I think about 35 percent of Microsoft because they as part of their deal. And then in 1987, 88, when Microsoft went public, IBM sold all that stock because they decided the business they wanted to be in was screwing motherboards together. Who wants to be in this yucky software business? So IBM lost the you know missed. Even though the D and the, even though the DOJ thought they were invincible and no one would ever compete, and Microsoft emerged. So the DOJ goes after Microsoft. Microsoft in the 90s. And how is anyone ever going to compete with Microsoft? They have a lock on the computer industry. Well, search comes along. And then so Google's. And then they go after Google. How can anyone compete with this? Well, you know, Facebook and Amazon are both uh, are competitive. Actually, Google and Amazon are very competitive at this point. Amazon's in part a search company. So you you put all that together. The DOJ remember the antitrust folks have to have to justify their job, so they have to. If you, you know, if you're, uh, uh, if you're a man with a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, and so they're going to think that antitrust is the way. But I do, I do suspect that uh, I wouldn't. There's got to, there's going to be government action eventually about about Amazon. Donald Trump is the president of the United States. Don't remind me. <laughs> uh, do you
0: have any thoughts on how he is conducted? his agenda with respect to trade and the the people that he's put in place uh, to execute that agenda?
1: Well, I actually like his foreign policy team. I should mention first, I think his foreign policy team is the best we've had since George Kennan's. Uh, But his... uh, Other than that, beyond that, it's hard... uh, you know, well, I feel like I the proverbial Christian Scientist with appendicitis on this issue, because I do think that we have to think about trade with China in the context of national security, and I don't think China is a very uh, is a very good citizen in that regards, and that I think that they've been very strategic with their trade and and so forth. But ultimately, I'm a free free trade guy. I I've never seen a country do what trump is hoping to do with america that actually protects its people when you when you close off to free trade and such it isn't like your own industry spring back so uh uh, i don't have i'll stop there uh
0: he's threatened american companies uh, in in numerous instances uh what would you say to him if he were threatening overstock with some sort of penalty should you take some particular action no no no
1: wouldn't it wouldn't would never i've stood up to the government to the fed so many times i was the object of six federal investigations in the last decade once i came out and started attacking the federal government for capture and for being in the pocket of Wall Street, I suddenly became. Well, I was warned you're going to become, become the object of a federal investigation, and I said, "Come on, this is not Paraguay. I can go. Nobody's going to investigate me because I've come out and criticized the government." Practically two weeks later, they launched the first federal investigation. None of them went anywhere. They all, you know, each cost millions of dollars, and then they go away. But uh, so, but I wouldn't know how to begin to cave to the feds on that kind of stuff.
0: Patrick Byrne is CEO of Overstock.com. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.